Welcome to Biggest Geekest. We are your hosts. I am Joe. And I'm Randy. This is episode eight of our podcast, and the date is October 28th, and it's Wednesday. Um, I almost fell into a reading trap because I'm looking at the outline that you made, Randy, and you put <laughs> your name first. So, <laughs> I'm always yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. You're number one. Number, number one, one Randy. You gotta, like I said before, you gotta put the talent first. I mean, that's just how right. it's gonna be. <laughs> I would say age before beauty, but both would be wrong. That's correct. I am both beautiful. Oh, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. That's I'm beautiful. older. <laughs> and more beautiful. <laughs> well, that would be de- that would depend on who's talking, who's doing the judging. <laughs> that's true. I think it would be a toss up between me and you. We probably would not vote for the other. No, so and our wives would probably, uh, yeah. you never know what our wives would say. So I know they'd probably vote for some other. Probably dude, better right? just not to let them in. On My wife would probably vote for Dean Winchester. So forget her. Right. right. <laughs> well, right. So the, the choice is who's who's more attractive, Randy or Joe? It's Dean Winchester. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, two, you two don't even enter right. into the equation. I don't. I don't know if your wife's still into him, but that greasy guy in Walking Dead. What was his name? I have no idea. The oh, one she thought was attractive. Yeah, the bow guy. Name? The bow. Oh, I can't remember his name. I know. I know. The crossbow guy. Daryl. Daryl. <laughs> and you're like, what? And you married me? <laughs> I know. Sometimes it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Well. Well, but he was kind of um. I don't know. I. Don't, I'm, I haven't watched Walking Dead in so long. Gosh, I don't know neither. where they're at in it, but no, me neither. At, I when I was watching it, Daryl was like top dog popularity oh, wise, yeah. oh, and yeah. everybody was like, "Dude!" All the women were like, "Yeah." I guess some guys too, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that guy is not attractive in any <laughs> sense of the word. I would not what I would consider, but no, hey, not traditionally. I'm, speaking, I'm not a woman, so I don't. Know. Unkempt hair. Looks dirty and greasy. Dirty and greasy. What do we used to call them in high school? Grease balls? Yeah. Dirt balls. Grease balls. <laughs> dirt balls, yeah. Not to their face, of course. No, because we were nerds. So Yeah. We had our own issues. <laughs> yeah, but we did. yeah. So <laughs> haven't been up to any gaming uh recently, but getting ready to because you're gonna run something. That's right, dude. And I have been totally prepping it out. So right. 13th Age, we're going to play that last session. Uh, for those folks that don't know, which is pretty much everybody, I've tried to run a five-session game and include all my buddies and friends and wives that could play, and I got about maybe a third or a half of them in there in four sessions and doing a sweet uh, ending campaign this Sunday. I was telling Deb about some of the encounters. I am so totally going to murder you guys. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. And, You're such uh, a liar. I know, because I never killed anybody in 13. No, you guys I mean, all the other stuff is probably true. The killing you all stuff, no. <laughs> I mean, no. It's literally Brock, impossible. Brock I would is going to go in there thinking that he's golden. That's right. Yeah. Um, I can only hope that I have a TPK. It would be my first one. God, I've been playing 13th Age for five years now, at least. Yeah, so at least. I've never killed anybody. I've not killed a whole group. I've not killed a character. The man I'm talking to is the only one that's killed a character in a game that I played in. He yes. Killed Bob's character, and that's it, which is very sad. More no, it wasn't. It was a righteous kill. No, it that was, was awesome. no, that wasn't sad, and Bob would agree it wasn't sad. No, but he enjoyed I, it the whole way down. I think death should be more common, but that's just my opinion. Oh, I and, agree. I agree. I think Thirteenth Age makes Thirteenth uh, Age is fun. Yep. 
It's a, kind of a popcorn game in a way, but still fun. And it's, yeah. in, it's engaging because the setting and a lot of the rules kind of draw you into the setting and it can be engaging, but it is kind of all for the, all for the PCs. And it's not, I'm not saying it's impossible to kill them, but they certainly may give the, the DM, unless they're just going to be heavy handed. Um, if you just go by what their suggestions are, even, even the suggestions of the tough guy of the two, the yeah. three, uh, yeah. it doesn't seem all that it's not as much of a challenge as um, is traditional. I think rules is written and I think rules is intended. They really want the players and it's okay. I mean, it's a style of game where you're going to be big time heroes right from the beginning. You're the star. You're the star and you're doing epic, super awesome stuff, which, and, and don't get me wrong. We have many battles where we're like, Oh crap, this is a little tight. Um, and it's fun, but uh, yeah, it's a little over the top. I mean, I, gonzo sometimes, but in, in a cool way, you know, every, every sentence you read about the setting, like, Oh, that's cool, man. That's crazy, but cool. You know, it reminds me a little when I first read Planescape. I do love reading their books. Yes. Planescape um, evoked quite the opposite feeling from a 13th Age campaign, I think. Um, Yeah. 13th Age has a similar kind of, um, I had the word in my head, Uh, not multicultural. cosmopolitan yeah cosmopolitan lots of different uh races interacting um they're uh and they're kind of at odds sometimes at and not at other times planes is very similar if if not taken to 11 yeah uh true and and you know you had strange bedfellows Certain folks were your friends sometimes, and the very next adventure they could be your enemy, which I kind of like that, though it kind of blurs the line between good and bad. I mean, well, though, if you play Planescape in its traditional sense, I mean, alignments were real things. And so you had to try to, I mean, you should probably really stick to your alignment. But if you did, I mean, it made for strange bedfellows sometimes. I mean, sometimes law was more important than good and evil. Right. Pit pit fiend and a paladin making deals. So, yeah, it was different. yeah, I think um, in Planescape, I would be, I liked Planescape's setting. Mm-hmm. If I was playing a paladin, it would really be difficult to survive. Well, I th- I, if you stuck to being a good guy, as, or if you uh, took seriously, you know, monsters of bad guys. And Planescape yeah. is chock full of monsters. Well, I think a uh, fresh off the boat uh, prime, a paladin from the prime world like Greyhawk, just blasted into, you know, thrown into Sigil, could get themselves in trouble with their standard approach of, well, monsters are monsters. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you'd be hard pressed not to get yourself killed or in deep doo doo. Uh, it'd be fun though if you could learn and maybe have your uh, paladin meet, say, some sort of high-powered servant of his deity. And the deity, and he could say, look, uh, I get your lawful good and stuff, but certain uh, rhubarbs have to be rubbed 
out here on the plains. It's how it works, how it's <laughs> always worked. This is bigger than your small backwater thought of good and evil. And that would throw them for a loop, especially if it was an angelic creature. But I think with Planescape, you have to let a little bit of philosophy, and that's the whole point, right? Philosophers with clubs. So philosophy, you know, massages alignment and action. So, but, you know, you have to like that kind of blurred lines of good and evil. And that's not, always, that's not always been your bag, though, as a player. No, it hasn't, because I could easily just go back into that so-called angel's face, the fact that, that what you just said is totally corrupt. Sure, you could, and and you could say screw that, and you could play a very honorable paladin, and you could, you know, it could be a fun campaign if you had a whole group like that that's just, you know, quote unquote fighting the power. It would be a tough time in the plains yep, and in yep. Sigil, but maybe you could do it. Maybe that'd be fun, especially See, if you made the characters you could tough. Play the plains, mm -hmm. Sigil's there. If you want to step in the quagmire, mm -hmm. or you stay away from it and you're elsewhere. Yeah, you don't get involved with the factions or the politics. You just do your business and move on. Uh, that's that's a way to do it, too. And that's perfectly valid. But I, like I said, 13th Age is going to be finishing up that campaign. And again, campaign loosely, a five-session campaign um, on um, Sunday. And uh, then, oh, I guess I should mention this, too. This campaign is meant to be a bridge, right, from our Cabin Con ending game that completely finished Elysium that we talked yeah. about before. And then to bring this into the new, a new, you know, in the dragon empire that we can play at cabin con or here with a lot of people that want to, they like 13 days, we get more player options that way. So that's kind of, that was my plan. Cause I wanted to bring those characters from the other world that came to the dragon empire. And, you know, you guys mix with some characters that were actually from the dragon empire. So it's been kind of fun that way. Right. Right. But I have, but I've also been working on my new. I'm calling it my new Valasia campaign. We talked a little bit offline about it, but it's the Savage Worlds fantasy campaign, and I'm hoping it, it's what becomes the setting in, uh, again at Cabin Con, <clears throat> and maybe outside both. Uh, and I'm, I don't want to talk much about it, but that's something I'm excited about. And I'm going to try to get you and your wife in that first campaign of that that setting and kind of run savage worlds through its paces with fantasy and see what happens so i'm kind of pumped about that so i've been thinking a lot about gaming and intent intensely and writing things down but i've not been playing um, at all yeah. well we'll get a bit of a uh a good, nice dose of gaming on sunday yeah I'm, I'm ready i'm ready for that and to start the other campaign i'm ready to go so right so um <clears throat> because i don't know how to segue <laughs> gaming news Seggings for the week. Yeah. <laughs> Gaming news. Yeah. So a few things have come up recently. Um, and I, I noticed this before you uh, had uh, tagged me on it. Um, uh -huh. Board game. The competitive monster fighting. Oh, the Pathfinder, Pathfinder one, yeah. board game. Uh, yeah. it's supposed to, it's, they just have a blurb out on it. <clears throat> Not much. <clears throat> so it's coming in 2021 kind of thing not much more than that no at the time i looked that was just a couple of days ago so. basically you're fighting monsters moving tiles they talked about it and there's going to be some winner at the end so you're kind of a group but you're also working against each other so right yeah I mean, it might be good who knows who knows probably won't be up my alley though um then there's next is a there's a terminator rpg coming out uh-huh. But still, same thing with them. 
all there is is a web page up. Yeah, yeah. But there's not much. There's no details really. Well, I've recently purchased the Alien RPG, and I got uh, Cherry to the God module when I was down in Tennessee. And uh, I'll be honest with you, that's a pretty cool. I like the way that game has a cinematic version where we just basically play a really cool, you know, three, four hour, five hour session, and you tell a story kind of like a movie. Right. I hope that I'm hoping the Terminator RPG is like that because I don't know if I would enjoy a long term Terminator game. Well, the, the the little bit that's out is I think that there's uh, two modes, Good. and one of the modes is you're pretty much expecting everybody to die, and I think it's the cinematic one. But there's the other. There's another one. I can't remember the name of it, but it, there's two different modes. One is more of a campaign mode. Is this for Terminator or Aliens? I think it's for Terminator. I think they. Oh, well, cool! I know Alien does that. Alien has cinematic mode, which is where you got to. It's going to be like the movies. There might be one or two survivors, and then there's campaign play where it's a little less, you know, guaranteed doom. Right. But, mo- but I think their modules for for Alien are all going to be cinematic. So, but I'm I'm hoping Terminator will be similar, though it's not by Free League. It's by some game some company called Nightfall Games. I know nothing about them. Yeah, me either. I've never heard of them. I'm not. Uh, the gaming news, uh, the different gaming companies, there's so many of them now, it's hard to keep track. Yeah, I saw there's a, <laughs> I didn't put this in the outline, but there's another company by, the, I want to say they're Blizzard people. They did a lot of video games and they're doing War Chief games. They're going to be coming out soon. Apparently they're like two big wigs and video gaming, you know, and they're going to make two tabletops. So, but I just, I, I mean, I have no link and no there's only, it's just like that. So I got a website and they have a little video, but they don't say much of nothing. So, but right. Yeah. All that stuff, um, takes some, uh, takes a lot of stuff to get that stuff going. Yeah, and they're probably more, if they are in development, they probably don't want to say anything before it gets too, too solid of a system. They're probably, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like what happened is they had like, uh, from what I gathered, they were this war chief company. They uh, played Warhammer a lot themselves. You know, they worked on video games for 20, 30 years with Blizzard. I think it's Blizzard. And then now they're like, you know, they gathered 20 people and they're like, you know what? They got kind of a club and now they're talking about making it a, a company, which, hey, more power to them. They make a good game. I'll check it out. You know, you probably, I probably was reading the Aliens game. Right yeah. after I, right, I was looking at Terminator, and I think there was a link to the Aliens game yeah, somewhere okay. come up. So, yeah, That's all right. there's yeah, the, just a Facebook page up. Yeah, there's practically nothing on the Terminator game. Yeah, the a lot of our however, news like that. First Rod revamped, there's quite a lot of. Yeah, you know, honestly, if I was not um, annoyed by how wizards are, you know, doing their choice of, you know, taking certain statements out because they're afraid somebody's feelings are going to get hurt about, you know, or connective Astani to a gypsy or whatever. Heaven forbid that happens. Um, This actually sounds like a pretty cool product. I mean, it's a pricey one because I already have the hardback, but you could buy this for about a hundred bucks and you get a lot of, you get a Taroka deck, you get a, you know, they separate the adventure and they have the monster book, which I always prefer. And they got little doodads and things and this cool deluxe, um, um, revamped version but it, it it still felt a little light when i looked at uh when i looked at what they had exactly in fact i'm going to look yeah. at a link right now 
Yeah, it is pretty pricey. And the review that I'm sure you read suggested if you already have the hardback, you probably don't need. Uh, yeah, the, you get you know, like, the revamped thing is probably probably unless you're the completest. Yeah, that's fair. I think really really nice handouts. I'm looking at the initial one from Kolyan and Derevich. That's a classic one. That's how the campaign has always started, where you're in a bar and you get this letter. But right. uh, I think it's a little different in this one. But apparently they have like these little cards you get that you can send to your players to invite them to the game. And I'm kind of like, eh, it's cool that they look neat, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to send out a postcard to you and say, hey, would you like to play? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's meh, whatever. Seems a little weak saucy. But uh, I didn't. It's a little pretentious. I mean, yeah, probably. But like I said, if I was heavy into 5e and thinking it's the greatest thing of all times, um, I might would do it. You know me. I tend to I tend to buy. I'm a sucker for a lot of stuff. Like yeah. So, you got you got a hundred bucks you can burn. Yeah, man. I, I burn a hundred bucks every night, man. Yeah. So that's how I roll. Right. <laughs> now, this the last one that I'm intrigued by, if you're ready to move on to the last one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Dungeon Hobby Museum. That's Which the... Is- Yep. The house that D and D was made in. Right, they're actually going to play in that. Right, um, but it costs money. Yeah, it does. And it costs a lot of money. Yeah. I think it's, if they judge you to be a neophyte DM, it only costs fifty dollars per person. Correct. <laughs> and if you're like a big one, it's like a there's some a thousand a, thousand a person a person. And so uh, the DM gets a cut of that. Well, I think the plan is for it to be, it's the Dungeon Hobby Shop Museum, and it's set in, I think, Gary's old place. Yeah. Uh, and one of his old places in what, Lake Geneva. And if some of the old guard, I don't know who all is involved, so I'm not going to name any names, but it's meant to be kind of a museum slash game store. And you can buy these memberships, but you still got to pay, I think, after you get a membership, you still got to pay for certain things. So. If you get a really expensive membership, um, you get pretty good uh, discounts. Um, I don't know what the highest one was, but it. There's a Mithril membership for a thousand bucks, thirty percent off gaming, free DHS admission into the museum, swag for right. the gift shop, free admission, drink, soda, and food, drink, snacks, and food. So I don't know, though, how that measures onto the GM. Well, if you're if you're um, if you're just playing, I guess the GM has to the DM has to uh, pay as well. So thirty percent off means three hundred dollars, which which is nothing to sneeze at, but no. still, but seven hundred dollars to play. But um, I don't know if the DM actually plays. Pays. Yeah, yeah. Considering think... considering he gets paid, he gets right. a percentage, percentage of all of that. I can't remember what it is. I think it's 50% maybe. Is it? I don't think it's that yeah. good. I, I think it's less than that. It may be. I know it's a percentage. I just, I don't know. So I think they need to come out with more details, but honestly, well, it sounds kind of weirdly cool. I ain't paying that kind of money. No, no. Way. <laughs> no way. I don't know who would do that. Who would do that? I have no um, idea. Yeah. Maybe a business. I don't know. 
but business guy who remembers the good old days and wants to many many gamers are willing to shell out their money to do something cool yeah if they think it's cool they'll pay i mean i guess if it was a once in a lifetime thing i mean i could see why someone might do it this person wouldn't do it but maybe they can okay this is your this is a bucket list or something to play with i don't know tim cask or frank mincer i don't know if those guys are involved in that or not i'm just naming some of the old guard so just dropping names you know trying to trying to show my gaming cred you know i'm talking about (laughs) jim ward baby yeah that's i'm talking about so anyway Hmm. right so cool idea it would be cool to go there and visit but i will never yeah i don't think i'd ever do that i'd have to be if they if they had a bunch of to burn or even 50 just to play well, I tell you, Gen, at Gen Con 50, they had a little uh, kind of museum dedication to Gary Gygax, and I went to that, and that kind of, I think I told you, that started me on my huge nostalgia run I've been on since Gen Con 50, thinking about the old days, and they just had all these really cool memorabilia and glass cases, and just, you could just see D&D through the ages and how it progressed, and they had, you know, all the stuff up through 4th edition or 5th edition, and it was kind of, it was really cool. I spent a couple of hours there, I think twice over the four day weekend, just checking stuff out. So if they had a great museum, I'd be honest with you. If, go guys, to the museum. if guys felt like it, I'd make a long weekend and trek up there and check that crap out. I think it'd be fun. Sure. Sure. Even if it was 20 bucks to pay, I'd be fine. Let's go in and check it out. But, Sounds like a campaign. Speaking of which. <laughs> you Hey, you said you couldn't sag, baby. Well, you got that, it. Still, that still was kind of weak. No, it was perfect. And let no one say otherwise. <laughs> so, yes, our, our main topic for this evening, for this podcast episode, is let's start a campaign. Um, it hasn't been all that long since I heard someone say, I don't want to hear those words. Yes, we do have a friend who a few years ago said, I don't want to hear that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I appreciate what he, I think I appreciate what his implication was, but his hope was that we would have, you know, sort of the campaign to end all campaigns. Right. We'll, we'll get to that. To, I think what he's talking about um, here in a little bit. Yeah. But, so uh, choosing a system and setting, um, that's, that's not the, hard that's to the do. Beginning. That's the beginning, right? Very Is beginning. That the beginning. Number well, one. Yeah. In the beginning, system and setting. Uh, well, what do you think? How do you, how, so if we're going to start a campaign, what, what, I guess, whose shoulders does that lie on? Everyone? Well, it can lie, it depends on uh, a few things. Like a lot of these questions are always, or often, it depends. So if if you want to run a game, um, more than likely the DM is going to be at least initially going to say, hey, I want to start a campaign, um, a D&D campaign in Greyhawk. And okay. do you want to play? So if nobody wants to play, well, there's not going to be a game. Right, because you, you kind of got to pitch it, right? Right. And then there's some DMs that they could say, uh, I'm going to play um some indie game in in uh setting uh who who knows and anybody will play so like you yeah so you say you're going to do something there you're going to have a lot of um takers 
So you um, just cool. being a uh, proven. You're saying I, you know, I can just throw crap to the wall and, you, and you're saying it'll stick. Someone will come. Now, if it sucks, everybody's <laughs> going to say, Randy, what's going on? But you, you, you have um, developed a level of trust with the guys in the area so that such that they will play if you ask. And if I I'm, build it, they will come. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there even you could even get a particular friend of ours who hates fifth edition to play it. <laughs> I wouldn't ask him to because he will complain about fifth edition the whole time we're playing. So it's not the best system to invite him to play, but well, he would I have, play. I have he gotten would. him. I have gotten him to play a couple of times. Right. So, um, uh, so, but it can also be group. You could say, Hey, I'd like to, to run a game. What do you all think? Yeah. That's, that's a very valid way to do things. I forgot what podcast I was listening to. And, uh, oh, I think it was, uh, it's Che Webster's Roleplay Rescue. I don't know if you've heard of that. He's a British I, guy. I am devastated. You're it's cheating ever. on, you're cheating on us. I am, dude. You would not believe the number of podcasts in my podcatcher. No. Well, the <laughs> gaming podcasts? Yes. You know, whatever. Multiple. I know. You're offended deeply. The gaming podcasts? Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. <laughs> and so anyway, I... he was talking about another guy, some guy's book. I forgot his name. But this guy said, he didn't say system and setting were first. He said, first you get players that are like-minded. And the DM needs to pick them. But that was just. Like, that's okay. one way to do it. That's not. It is. I mean, you could, I could see that. Cause that's the next one. Right. I mean, if you think about it, you want to play with people you enjoy playing games with. Yeah. And if I was like, think like I'm thinking this savage world's fantasy, but I think fantasy is so big that we have enough people that can play it. If I were to pick a different sort of game, like if I'm going to run aliens, I'm not going to invite just everybody. Well, I don't know. I might. I might invite almost anybody that wanted to come play that. I mean, I don't think it'd bother me. But I could see how you might have an idea like, oh, I'm going to run this setting, and I'm only going to pick these few people because I think they're the only ones that would really appreciate it. You know? Right. And right. That's 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 fair. But I think I think system and setting is first. I would actually, as a DM, setting is first. System is secondary especially in these days. I mean, it used to be D&D was the game. It was which D&D game are we going to play? It right. wasn't what system. I mean, you used to try to get us to try other stuff, and we sometimes placated you, but mostly said, no, Joe, we're playing D&D, shut up. And so we'd play D&D, and that was it. And it'd be some version, you know, sad, you know, Greyhawk, Gotten Realm, something. I don't know. But uh, right. yeah, so, so you've got to choose that system and setting, I think. I, I think you sell the setting, um, but since you mentioned a friend and I think you're talking about Jeff and uh, he, uh, I think system matters to some people though. I mean, some people, I think we have some people that just won't, I think they're just, I don't know if we have anybody that would say, I will not play this system ever, but you could offer some, like I would be very Larry to offer up GURPS. <laughs> I mean, we have a handful of GURPS haters. I'm kind of like, and eh, it never really, you know, never, never floated my boat. But I mean, if I said, hey, I'm running GURPS and I'm going to use uh, Final Fantasy. <laughs> Shout out to Josh. He'll, he'll know what I mean by that. But uh, if I want to do a Final Fantasy setting with GURPS, I mean, we'd probably get a lot of players to be like, 
That sounds like with most of these setting system things, I'm willing to play a one shot and just about anything. But, uh, you know, something comes to mind, though, about this. So let's say and I've done this because I've taught systems to people, uh, multiple systems I've taught to people. Um, I mean, I was the first to do Savage Worlds in our group. Um, I taught Marvel superheroes to you guys, though you were just you, you jumped in and read it, you know, but the other players just waited till we did this. Right. But when you say I'm going to do a system, if it's new, you should probably con- should you consider what if everybody doesn't have the books? Right, right. So if, if they don't, um, books how big of a deal is that? Right. Um, is it okay for that's that's what I think uh, your the one of the points coming up could cover uh, session zero. Yep, we'll talk about that. Uh, could cover could um, that could be part of that discussion too. But yeah, if not everybody has the books, uh, you're going to have to get together. Uh, it's going to depend on whether that system has kind of an SRD component to it. So oh, right. playing got... Pathfinder, yep. you could almost play that, or pretty much you can play that game without owning the books. Yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, 3X. You can do that with the SRD that's online. I'm not so sure of... Um, 13th Ages Archmage engine. It's not if, It's not bad. You could come close. You couldn't quite do it, I don't think, but you can come close. Um, and then many games have um, downloadable introductory sets of rules, like um, before we started the podcast, we were talking about Hackmaster, yep. and they have a uh, Hackmaster Basic, which is their up to fifth edition, not fifth edition, up to fifth level, um, pared down on options, but the full system, you know, how it works, how combat combat works and everything, all it's all in there. So you could do, if you started out first level or beginning characters or whatever the system uh, is, if it has a downloadable component, the books may not matter true i guess it's it's a little more it's a little easier to jump in and try games these days than it used to be right i mean you know 20 years ago 30 years ago boy if i said hey i'm doing a new system you guys i mean especially we were like 16 17 i mean even for me i'd get it for my birthday got the i got the marvel superheroes and i kept i didn't cross my mind then but wow all we had we had to use my stuff i had the stuff right you know i mean there was nothing else to do about it we couldn't all afford to go out and buy that no, but, I definitely uh, couldn't. No, I don't think any of it. No, I mean we couldn't just. I couldn't even afford just to buy the newest thing that no, week, no. just that week. So, you'd have to. You, know. you have to pick one. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. So system and setting are pretty pretty vital, I think. And I think I think now to you now today though, as as adults, if I were to say, Hey Joe, I'm going to run an aliens campaign. And right. you're like, oh, that sounds pretty good. I mean, let's say the the idea of being in a campaign sounds cool enough for you. And you try out the first session and it's good. You're like, oh, that was fun. And I seem excited because that's important, right? The DM, you don't want the, I've always been worried like, hey, everybody buy the book. And then I'm like, I'm bored now, you know, because that doesn't right. happen. But if I, if, I, if I get it and I'm into it, uh, how willing are you to, you know, fork over 50, 60 bucks? Or would you, well, or would you, would you just keep playing with uh, what what you have and wing it and borrow my book when you need it. 
um, I might end up doing that until I, um, it was apparent that this was a, a system that we were going to go with as, um, if not primarily, um, a backup or alternate that we would do occasionally and, and run some longstanding characters, then I would get it. But if we were just going to run a campaign, I would wait to see how that came campaign turned out. Oh, okay. Um, I think a lot of people like, would feel that. Depends back. on how long the campaign lasts. Oh, okay. I mean, if we're playing, it's three months later, and it's like, oh, this is really fun. I'm, I probably, it's again, it depends. It depends on uh, on several things, but um, and financial situation, how much the books cost. I mean, some books aren't very expensive, <clears throat> but a lot are. The aforementioned Hackmaster book is sixty bucks for yeah. just a handbook, and True. I know. That stuff is probably going to raise in the future, most likely. The price, the price, you know, because okay. of virus and everything. Um, pri uh, there's going to be a lot of prices, I think, especially for niche markets like role playing. It's possible that prices are going to rise a little bit, or may and they may go down because people are stuck in their houses and have nothing else to do but play role playing games, and sure. more people buy them and it might keep the prices stable instead of them going up so who knows true, true enough. I'm now, not much of a market guy but who knows right who knows now interesting so let's say you got your setting and your system right you're gonna i'm gonna do a D, D 5e and i'm running eberron or whatever you got your setting now you got to get players now in this day and age you have the internet of course we are blessed i mean i don't have a big group. i know 20 people off the top of my head that more than likely would sit down and play a campaign right you know um, but how do we go about getting those players, choosing the players? And if it were you, if you were running a campaign, Joe, would you just post on our Facebook site or shared site and say, Hey, I need five players. No, no, no. not likely. I would yeah. pick and choose. Yeah. I have probably out of that, uh, 20, probably have a handful, five, six, seven that, Anything I would run, I would pick out pick out them first right. for a couple of reasons. Uh, mainly because I know them and have known them for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones that are more comfortable meeting in person, because I, unless I have to, uh, I don't want to do the Zoom meeting game. Or Roll20. Or Roll20 or whatever. <clears throat> I really don't. That's... Um, I know that they've come a long way since they first came out and they've got a lot of support, um, lots of nifty things you can do and uh, things you can do on on the online thing that you can't do at the table, perhaps. But um, I prefer getting together with a bunch of pals, sitting around the table, having some snacks and some gaming and uh visiting yeah there's there's more to the game for me than just running through the scenario yeah so great yeah it's so you there's, a, there's a few people that i would choose and if i couldn't get those that from that set because you know our ske schedules can con can conflict mm -hmm. uh could be ill or whatever and i might have to go outside that but yeah. Anybody that that twenty that you were just mentioning would be fine, but I have some go-to people, a subset of go-to people. 
I, get, I think that's true for me too. Now, another thing that I have that I'm not sure you do, or it's probably not the same, is the number of players. You know, I've been fixated on five or less for a while now. Right. Um, I really like five, uh, I think, because I always hope for, uh, this sounds really kind of horny-toity, but a deeper role-playing experience. But it's also, as a GM, I can handle five players and their, and their little own personal agendas are much easier to weave into a story because usually if you have five players, you only have three or four, maximum four, that really are trying to weave to get a piece of their character story told and develop their character. You always have one or two players. They're just there to hang out, roll dice, have fun in the moment, and they don't really care if their character, quote unquote, grows. You're not seeing me do air quotes, but I'm doing them, you know? Right. And so to me, you get bigger than five, it gets, unless it's just a, and even then, actually it doesn't matter to me. I, I don't want more than five players, simply put, for any role-playing game. I really don't want that. How about you? So is that five players and then you as the DM, yes. so six total people? Correct. Six total people at the table. That's right. max. And honestly, um, I think three or four is better. Yeah, I get that. Um, I can go a little higher, but not much. Mm-hmm. It's more, uh, uh, there's the physical space yep. that you can deal with. Yep. And right, there's only so much time in your session. Only so much time you can, that any one person can, what I like to call engaging the game or the scenario or the scene or the mm-hmm. action, whatever's happening at the time. Right. Uh, and granted, only so many people are going to do that. Sure. Uh, but uh, there's only so much time. And it takes time for a person to really get in and uh, get their time in, so-called time on the stage or whatever you want to call it. Right. But, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I know that we used to play for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Waste of, I don't want to call it waste, but we uh, spent a whole whole weekends just yeah. playing D, and right. we could run. How many people do you think the maximum you ever ran when we were young in 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 uh, Charlestown? I remember it exactly specifically. It was a ten person player, ten players, Ravenloft adventure, first level, and I pl- I don't think you were there at the time. But I played at, shout out to my buddy, uh, Jeremy Duncan's house, and his wife, Heather, actually played. And oh, she, wow. mentioned, she mentioned she listened to the podcast, her and her son. Her son really liked it. Sweet wrist. Keep listening. Keep listening. Yay, listeners. And, uh, yeah. And anyway, uh, but Heather actually played Jason's first wife and several. I don't know who all was in it, but we had a big Raven Lost scenario. And it was, and you can imagine, because Ravenloft tends to be very story focused. I don't know how I did it, but we played like five or six hours. And in the end, the characters killed a Nosferatu, which is pretty amazing considering they were like first or second level. And so it was pretty, but it was one of those things where there's a, a, a special way you had to get this thing, discover this thing to kill the Nosferatu. And they did. Oh, right. But it they was interesting. It's Achilles but, heel or whatever. But I ran, I ran ten players, and we were all, you know, gathered around a couch, and um, uh, I think uh, JD's it's not his house anymore, the old house beside it. And uh, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. I remember it being cool. I don't remember any any other details about it. it was just we used to not play the table. 
No, no, we used couches and we sat in your living room at couches and chairs. And there might have been the coffee table that That you had stuff on. Yep. But we didn't really pay much attention to table. No, nor um, when we we first played in Gary's basement. Yep. There was a table there. We occasionally, if there was a table, we'd use it. Right. If there wasn't a table, it, was, it wasn't a big deal. No, it was first edition, dude. Original D&D. It was all theater of the mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you told I... us where characters were at. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm not in the way of the fireball. Well, actually, Joe, you are. Save yes. or die. <laughs> no, 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 no. Die. Die. Say yeah. and die. Roll Someone whatever die. you want. I'm killing you. Just die. <laughs> <laughs> Erase the name on your character, put another one. <laughs> yeah, Junior. Junior. Wizard, wizard, guy, wizard guy Junior, yeah. Um, we kind we kind of hit this already, and I'm with you. I'm more of a face-to-face guy now. The online seems to be a popular thing, I guess, because of COVID, and that's fine. And some folks, I think, like it even better because, I don't know, they don't got to leave their house. But, I mean, that seems right. okay. But I think that's one of the things. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm good. That's, I'm one, that's one of the things I was saying that is uh, – advantage if you look at it like that you don't have to leave your house to quote unquote hang out with your pals but you're not really hanging out it's not the same i don't no. care what anybody does. i mean it's I'm, a good substitute for not hanging out with anybody at all right but well, it's we not the that. same as being face to face with that person yeah it's no not. comparison no comparison and right now i mean with even with where we're at now i've I don't think I play online with my Tennessee cousins and I'll do that as long as they want to. Uh, but I would not choose to run a game like that. I did do roll 20 for a while. You played and your wife and the Scots and we had a good time and Deb tried once or twice. It wasn't bad, but it's just a lot of work. And honestly, I'm much more tired when I play just one or two hours online than I am. If I play four hours face to face. Yeah, it's more, I know um, it's nice when, when we were playing that way, we could just because we sat, we sat in our bed, yeah, with cozy. laptops in front of our faces. Sure. So yeah. we just close the laptops and roll over if we wanted to after right. we were done. <laughs> so there's a convenience factor, but you're trading. It's a trade-off. Yeah, convenience I, for yeah. for human interaction, real human interaction, not artificial. And it's artificial. I mean, it's only partially. It's only got some components of real. You got voice, but I don't know. It's just not the same. And you have no. to be, and you got different uh, etiquette you have to have online too. So Sure. You can't. So, when you talk to... over each other online, it has a real impact on the game. At the table, it can be a little annoying, but you can manage. Now I want to talk about, so we talked about those things, right? You got the campaign, the setting, the rules you're playing with. You got your player set. You're going to meet face-to-face or online. And here's something that I'm not sure to what extent we ever did. And it's a popular thing, has been for several years now, this session zero or not have one. And I looked up on, I think, Stack Exchange, and I got this definition. Session zero is a planning session where the gaming group collaboratively lays the groundwork for a new campaign. Often this session involves a group deciding the game, campaign they want to play, managing expectations, establishing house rules, determining setting details, creating characters. Session Zero provides a meeting for the gaming a meeting for the gaming group to agree on what kind of game everyone wants to play. So this has mm. become more formal in a lot of 
at least from what you hear online and stuff. What do you think of the idea of a session zero that truly does all that stuff? All that stuff? No. No. Uh, okay. Um, I would say um, it could be that, but my my as far as session zero in my mind, it's more like we've already decided that we're going to play. Okay, sure. I Maybe even we've decided what we're going to play. Oh, when we okay. get together for a session zero, we're just nailing na nailing down some loose details and maybe making characters and talking about that kind of thing. Okay. But not me, you, and a few other people get together and say, hey, we want to start a campaign. What are we going to do? And start from scratch. And we you can do that, but, I mean, that's... And it's fine with people when people do that. I'm not going to disparage that they do that. That's just not when I think of session zero, I just think of what I've what I've said. Some elements are already decided and you go in to nail down some details. Yeah, I'm not sure to what extent we've ever really had a session zero. Even the one you're talking about, maybe a little bit. A little bit. Uh, we've yeah. gotten together to make characters and talk yeah. about that. And we got some people, I know some people have mentioned that they don't like to make characters with other people. My wife doesn't care for it because just cause she can't concentrate. She said with everybody talking. And I think, uh, I think Phil said, Philip said he, he wasn't a big fan of making characters with people. He likes to do it himself. Um, I, part of me, and you know, I guess for my money, I feel like a session zero could do more than even what you're saying. I think it would be really important. And this connects to some of the other points I got down here. So I'm going to bring them into this. Um, it would be nice to talk up front and I've never thought of this, but like we talked about death last time. That would right. be a cool discussion to have on the table at a session zero. Oh, sure. I agree. I think how often you're meeting would make it, you know, of course that'd just be a comment we'd have to agree on, but still when you're going to meet um, how, you know, something we never talk about is how long is this campaign going to last? I mean, I know it doesn't always end up being the same, but do you think it's a value? Would you like to know if I said, look, Joe, we're going to meet. My plan is to take these novice characters in Savage Worlds, and I'm taking you dudes to the end of Legendary. We're not stopping till we're all the way to the end. Or, and I can imagine this lasting, it's going to last a year. Is that a helpful thing? Or would it be better just to say, I'm going to play this story. Let's see how it goes. Because that's kind that, of how we do. That's kind of how we do. I'm yeah. comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with you saying, um, I've got this mini campaign we wanted i want to do probably 10 sessions uh and um whatever system or setting or whatever but i have this idea it'll probably take about 10 sessions uh could be something more after that but i'm pretty sure it's only going to take 10 sessions what do you think that's fine and something or, i've always wanted to do that could be a session zero thing mm -hmm. too so we could be sitting around and then someone says eureka I have always thought this would be a cool idea. It's probably short duration, still a campaign, but not uh, more than a few months long. Let's try it out. <clears throat> what do you think? And uh, managing expectation. This used to bother me more because I was younger and I think, but it still hits me. Like when connecting to table rules and house rules, uh, we never really discuss, okay, who's bringing food and snacks? We might say how long we're going to play now because people can only offer so much time. We'll say usually a four-hour window. 
Right. And then the idea of tech at the table, I've, that used to be more of a question, say, in third edition era. But I feel like I don't know if that's even a question anymore. I mean, everybody has, really. has lives. They have a phone. They have a tablet. It's like, who really cares as long as you're paying attention? I think the novelty of mobile technology, to me, has worn off so much that I don't think I worry about it too much. Though we do have a couple of folks, and I've been guilty of it too, that pull their phone out in the middle of a session and start looking through stuff. That's a little annoying. Right. I mean, I, I kind of, because you know it's not game related. And I'm not going to name names, but I could think of about four or five, and I'm including myself on in this. I tend to be a pretty crappy, I do that when I'm a, more than a player than a GM. Uh, uh, but I can be kind of a easily distracted player if I'm not careful. Um, I don't know with adults, it does, especially with friends, maybe it doesn't do any, I don't even know how I'd broach that subject and look at everybody and say, don't you dare pull your phone out. That would just cause trouble. Yeah. But if you were gathering new people, that might be a different story. Meaning you could probably say that if I didn't know the four or five people that I invited to a game, let's say I decided a game first at a game store and I'm invited these four or five people and they'll say, this is fun. We play again. I'm like, look at my table. Here's my rules. This, this, and this, that'd be a lot easier to say if you don't know them very well. Right. It would be. And I think now we know each other so well, I'm just loathe. And plus that doesn't matter as much to me anymore to say any kind of comment about tech of the table or being side sidetracked by some other, you know, thing yeah. that you're doing. Yeah. Tech at the table. Um, was a big issue during third edition because um, managing a character and all of the information that a third edition or Pathfinder even character could encompass could sometimes seem to require it. But uh, with um, the other games we're playing now, 13th Age, Savage Worlds, all these, you don't, you really don't need any of that stuff. So uh, unless you're looking up a rule, or you're, you know, you want to remain in, uh, on call or in contact for your your wife or your husband mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, I haven't seen it be an issue. No, me neither. I mean, it's uh, not even from a point of view of me not caring. From a point of view of I'm not seeing it draw people out of the game so much. Well, I, I think I, maybe I, I know one person. But yeah. there's, but this person is hard for this person to focus on one thing exclusively. Sure. And it's yeah. not worth it to get into any kind of argument. So. No, it, it's it's a thing. It just simply yeah. is. I, I think for the couple of people I have in mind, and that's, <laughs> that's not my problem. I'm just being, I'm being distracted. I mean, I I shouldn't do it. Um, like. Uh, but I mean, for other people, it's just a thing they can't stop. I mean, they, they need right. to be, you know, they need to have multiple multi-sensory stuff. They're, they're only so engaged at any one thing. Right. So um, I can focus. Yeah. Me. Oh, me and me too. I can be into it. So and, uh, yeah. being distracted by the tech for me has only been a distraction when it wasn't working the way I wanted it to. So when I would right. want to have a, my laptop there in Pathfinder, so I can manage the wizard who's high you do that level. For a long, you did that for a long time. You actually yeah. used your laptop. Yeah. If it didn't work right, it was distracting, but otherwise it wasn't really that distracting. No, but you're one of the players. I mean, you, when you come to sit down, this is a compliment. You come to play. 
I mean, you're, you're trying to engage the story. So you want to be into it, you know? Right. Um, something I Other would like to see more relaxed with it. Yeah. So, uh, yep. some people aren't engagey, whatever. Right. It's just yep. there are different ways of playing, I guess. You know, speaking of character death, I do wish, I think I'm going to plan this. I'm going to do it on my, uh, my savage worlds. I want to announce, I want us to decide how we're going to handle death. I want us to decide how we bring new PCs in if somebody dies or if you get bored. What if you don't want to play your character anymore? Right. And something that I don't think is much of an issue for us, because I think most of us aren't very fond of it. If you're going to have the PVP, that should probably be discussed as well. What do you think of those three things? PVP, new PCs and death being discussed right up front. That's fine. Those are kind of the deep. That's when when I was saying most things are decided. You come together to, to make characters or not, or talk about the characters and n- nail down details. Those would be those kinds of details. Right. Uh, how death is handled is definitely, if you're not, especially if you're not going with, say you're playing Pathfinder, third edition, or even fifth edition, mm-hmm. uh, age, any of that. If you're not going with the standard, then right. sure, you should discuss that. But if you're just going with the standard, that should be, well, probably don't want to assume anything. But well, yeah, well, especially like, well. Playing a game, you should use, and you're using that game's rules. If you're not yeah. going to change something, you should, uh, if you're going to change something, you say something. If you right, haven't okay. anything particular about a, an issue in the game, then you're probably using the rules as written. Well, like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I've, I've talked about this over many years. If I, you know, if I decide, yeah, I'm going to run fifth edition, but resurrection is not an option. Nobody comes back from the dead. I right. kind of need to tell players about that. Sure, sure. <laughs> they need to know that, oh, if you die, you're dead. Right. And so, if uh, you have special rules for spellcasters, you know, uh, spellcasting in my world works this way. and It's not standard. You don't want to wait until someone casts their first spell in your game to tell them. <laughs> And, you know, that used to be a big deal for first and second original D&D. I mean, you went to a different table. Your experience in the military showed you that, dude. Oh, yeah. Night yeah. and day, I had very little. I had some experience in college, and people had house rules all over the place. And you know, those have to be discussed. And if they're not, people are kind of like, what? What are you doing? And they often, often presented them like they were so cool. Doors in my game. <laughs> yeah oh what was that story how'd that go joe that was that's an amazing story i don't remember all the details it's just when you went up the first time i played in this guy guy's game and was checking a door for traps i was used to the way we normally did things and we fart, we had say fart the fart, door. you know <laughs> because fart the door because <laughs> in ad and d the skill was find and remove traps, FRT, part. So, right. the door. So, right. I didn't say that because I knew he wouldn't understand. I just said, I'm going to check out the door. But he would say, Well, in my world, the doors are such and such, and you have to be real specific. You know, you got to look here as if, as if you're part of CSI. His doors were actually living creatures, they were sentient and, creatures. <laughs> well, it was just. You had to be, in order to find the trap, Right. the trap was always a Gary, a Gary uh, Gygax trap. Gotcha. Some off-the-wall 
um, behind the third uh, pillar to the left um, under the odd odd shaped rock that you might not even notice. Right. So it was, you had to be so specific just because all of his doors were super doors. Right. That, that would, that would any bank vault would be jealous of having. So most Every, people, most people starved to death because the doors were so intricate. They couldn't go yeah. from the, from, so their, the, from their bedroom to their kitchen. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, another thing I mentioned here, and this is more of a, and this, I would call this. Okay. I, I don't want to call it, I'm going to say the word, but I don't, I don't want to mean this frou-frou rules, but. Frou-frou. I like that they're, word. <laughs> they're kind of story game stuff or even, I don't know. It's a little, we would call it namby-pamby and this is all being super negative, but I, I can sort of see, and this is something that's kind of new called lines and veils and then the X card. So I want to handle these two separately. So lines and veils uh, by something I found online, whatever this definition is, let's players flag flag up content that they don't want to appear in a game at all, these would be lines. And content that can appear but should be handled sensitively or off screen, veiled. So an example, a line would be, I would come to you if you're running a game and I'd say, look, whatever game I'm playing in, I do not want to see violence against children. Okay, so don't be capturing kids and torturing kids. I'm not down with that. And that would be a line, a hard line. And a veil would be something like, look, if, um a uh, character, another character about to get busy, have sex. Uh, let's do that off screen. Let's not get into some like weird uh, sexual role play thing here, you know, even if it's all in our head. Um, and part of me, like I said, that last part, I'm cool with that. I mean, I actually, that's that's the one thing I don't care to talk about. Or, or that is how we into. handle things. And um, that's a veil and that's okay. I think that's not a bad thing. Having um, romance is fine. Mm-hmm. more than just uh, hitting the highlights we don't do. No. And so as well, that's a little frou-frou. I don't think those two things are necessarily bad, but I, I think it's incumbent upon the player or DM to mention that. I don't think we need to try to like, I mean, I don't think they should bring it up in the middle of a campaign and really be offended. I mean, you know, if you don't say anything and I had these kids being tortured and fed to a demon God and you've got to try to stop them. And when I describe, you know, one kid's torn to pieces and thrown down the thrown down into the pit where the demon God is kept, you know, and you're like, Oh, I can't stand that and getting all mad and walk out. It's like, you know, I think it is your responsibility to let me know in advance. And if I can't change my plot or don't want to, I'm like, look, this game is about horror. And it's about horror against children. If you can't play, if you can't dig, if you can't do this because it grosses you out or you just can't handle it, this game may not be for you. Though I'm not sure I would do something like that anyway, but I'm just pointing that out as a kind of an extreme example. Right. Yeah. Um, some of this, the lines and veils, we, let's go ahead and talk about the X card so I can include it all in the same. Oh, thing sure. Go ahead. But I, I can do that. So sure. X card, in some games, it's an actual physical card with an X drawn on one side that you can hold up when it's like, I can't deal with this. The variant, uh, what we have written down here, the variant uh, I use also, not me, whoever wrote this, also has an O on the other side. And the player is uncomfortable with the content for any reason, including phobias, PTSD, or many more. They tap the card or hold it up to show the DM. So I guess the O means good and the X means not good. But 
those two things come out, I think, more in pickup games where you don't know the people. Agreed. But, but when you're playing with a bunch of pals like us, we know each other well enough that, one, we're not, this is never going to be a problem. Right. That kind of stuff is never, ever a problem. The closest it's ever come, uh, no, it's it's been, um, I know it was mentioned, you know, we have a friend who's really scared of spiders, and he said, because it was, uh, there's a, I don't know if it's a viral video, but there's a video on YouTube, I believe, where a fellow puts a live tarantula out in the middle of the table to kind of drive home the fact that they're fighting big spiders. So while I think that's a little uncouth, uh, yeah. if it was this friend of ours, it would have been like, Oh, traumatic. Probably he would have been pun- punching the guy in the face if he couldn't, if he could stand to be in the room anymore. Anyway, well, he might've might fled, yeah. but nobody, none of us would do that. And you know, I think we have a friend too. That's equivalently afraid of snakes. I won't right. none of us would do yeah, anything like that. Yeah, no, uh, no, that's true. And, uh, most of us are Christian of some denomination, of mm-hmm. some sort of faith in that in that line. So, uh, sexual situations are off screen. They're yeah. hinted at, and then we move on. Yeah. <clears throat> so we deal with that very well because we we know each other well so well that we we're not going to purposefully offending any, any any each other. And if it's accidentally done, then it's like okay, well sorry and and it's easily easily repaired these yeah. things though i think are more designed for pickup games like in game shops or whatever where you don't know the people or conventions uh, that's where this stuff is more useful at for yeah. a group of folks like us we know each other this stuff is just superfluous and kind of ridiculous yeah it is I for us because we point. know each other i understand their point but it's not for it's not for folks who know each other that well and if yeah. you are in a bunch of folks you know each other that well and these look like things that you need you might want to choose a different group <laughs> well yeah or well maybe i mean there could be i mean there could be a, a new person in the group who we don't know as well and they may have had a traumatic experience but i do find it weird because the way i've heard the x card often being used is someone can either hold it up or just tap it on the table when something happens and not really say what you don't have to give a reason you're just saying this scene is making me uncomfortable yeah so and I, I yeah on. that's weird too why can't you just say hey dude what yeah. are you doing or you talk why can't you talk about it that's what yeah. i think but i guess some people who would say you know they've been traumatized i mean like i said i don't i don't know i'm just mm. trying to give them the benefit of the doubt i'm with you i would never be inclined to actually use these directly in the game lines and veils maybe but i wouldn't call them that i do have one comment though an example we experienced and i wonder how you would classify this because you in particular were not fond of this and i have to admit i didn't love it but uh, i roll with it it was our first cabin con at lake george lake george resort in michigan go check it out it's totally awesome anyway um our friend from across the pond Ooh. ran a massive vampire game. Yeah. And dude, did he get into his character, yelling at people, just kind of 
seemingly lording it over people. Right. And I thought he was just RPing, and I didn't have too much trouble with it. But I, I know you and then maybe a couple other guys were not terribly fond of how that game began and maybe how it flowed. Was right. Part well, because it seemed like, for me, I'm okay with you being in character. But mm -hmm. the way the game went was since none of us except him knew the system. Yeah. We were kind of at a loss for how to proceed. Right. And um, it seemed like it was the session consisted of being yelled at for two hours. Right. And us, us making no matter what we said to counter his because we were at some kind of like big vampire clan thing. Didn't I get thrown out a plane? I was turned on by my son, Josh, and thrown out a plane. That sounds right. Something anyway, like that. And, I, and I tried to, and I remember we didn't even really, like, I remember he saying, well, what about blah, blah, blah. And, we're, and some of us looking at, each, looking at each other like, I don't know anything about this setting. And I'm not sure how like a vampire like me should respond to this. I don't know right. what to even. And uh, my, yeah, I was ready to throw down. Yeah, I know. It's like, fine, we can just fight. You keep yeah. hollering at me. We'll just fight. If you don't, <laughs> I'm a, my, my, the character I had was like the oldest vampire there, except for maybe the DM playing a character, which is always irritating. But <laughs> there's a there's a topic, yeah. DMPC. Yeah. But uh, I know he's an NPC, but yes, he was. But and not knowing the system, maybe that's how NPCs are run. You just make a PC type character up, whatever. Doesn't matter. It just, from my point of view, was. I don't like being yelled at by for two hours. You know, I didn't like it when I was like it when I was in the military. Right. And we're just playing a game. Why? Why should I sit here and be yelled at for two hours? And Even it kinda, if it's just in character, it just. Yeah. I'm just. I'm not doing anything. Right. And, yeah, I think that was kind of yeah. Yeah. So. So I'm not sure if that fits X card or lines. Uh, I still I didn't like it, but I still played. You did. We toughed it out for two hours. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed it seemed With pretty. It seemed that, for the conclusion was foregone. Yeah. So um, yeah, so I toughed it out, and I formed my opinions on what to do in the future, uh, and it wasn't. It's not. At the time, I was kind of hot about it, but. Um, Soon after that, I was like, okay, whatever. It's just what it was. Uh, and probably never going to play this again. Water under the bridge. No big deal. But it was a, I don't think you were the only one. Oh, I imagine. Mm -hmm. There was how many of us, we all played, everybody that was at the con, except for maybe yeah. except a couple. 13 all, of us, 12 of us, a bunch of something us. Something like that. It was a bunch. So I'm sure I wasn't the only one who felt that way. No. Okay, so to kind of wrap this up, uh, this discussion of a campaign, we've talked about all the things you could talk about in preparation for a campaign. And I want to compare it to something that we've done multiple times. What do you think of this? So, so now that we've talked about this, I'm, not just now that we've talked about it, Joe, but, you know, we've considered these things, the session zero, all the preparing and all that good stuff for the campaign. How does that compare to Hey, I'm running a D&D campaign. Bring a PC of level six with 25 point build using only the core rule book. My point is. That's my fine. Point, 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How do you, are you like, I'm good with that. I'll just I'm good with that. that. We'll just wing everything else, see what happens. I'm good with that. Okay. That's, that's for two reasons, okay? Two, two that I can think of, there may be, there may be more. Anyway, mm-hmm. I know you very well. We've been playing D&D together for longer than a lot of people have been alive. So um, I can do that. Because um, you trust me. If I said that, you'd be like, it'll be a good game. Randy's running it. It's fine. Right. And if I was just looking for a game to play at a game store, I might still be okay with that. Gotcha. Even, even if you didn't was, know the person. Yeah, because okay, I can always walk away. True. So if I'm coming over to your place, you say we're doing this, and we go there and say, well, I changed my mind. We're playing Savage Worlds uh, <laughs> Legendary. I'm like, okay, I'm down with that too. You got a character? Because I don't. Right. So, and, if I did, and if I did, you'd sit down and play, wouldn't you? I sure would. <laughs> Gosh, so, Joe. There's a reason I liked you, man. So. Yeah. But uh, if somebody advertises that uh, D&D PC, uh, sixth level, 25 point build, core rule books only, and I go there and they say that same thing, I'm out the door. Because I'm sign up for this poop. Yeah. Because you have not, no idea what it's going to be. It could be the dumbest thing you could ever possibly make. Yeah, yeah. What's your second reason? Also, so so trust is good. I'm less a fan of just doing pickup games at the game store anyway. Oh, true. I've had so many crap experiences to, to really uh, be enthusiastic about that. But if it's the only game I got going, then uh, that that's that's it's a good substitute when there's nothing else going on. But when I know if I just wait it out a little bit, either I can run a game or you can run a game or our buddy Phil can run a game, there's no need for me to worry about the game shop. True. Good point. What about this though? So now that, uh, and this is kind of extension of the question, so I'm going to change it around a little bit. So there's the, you know, bring your six level D and D character, 25 point build core rules. We do that. So one guy of the group offers that up on the same time of the month, same, same schedule play. And someone else, not necessarily me, another player that you respect equally says, look, I want to have a session zero. My plan is to do, Star Wars, and I want us to talk about where we're going to set it up at and do this and do that. Having it, so the issue is having it or not having it being right. the crux of my decision. Correct. Correct. So if you had the choice, all other variables being equal, would you prefer to have a bit of a session zero type campaign or a kitchen sink, bring that sixth level character? It doesn't have to be D&D. It could be Savage Worlds, make a, make a sci-fi character, or let's roll in here and see what happens. Having a session zero or not having a session zero will not sway my decision on who to game with. Oh, okay. So if that, no. So all things being, all things being equal, session zero does not move the needle. Gotcha. Other things will. If, if we're going to have one, let me know. If we're not, then I'm fine with that too. Session zero is unimportant. Interesting. Uh, okay. It can cool. it can help, but it's not going to get me to play in your game or run me away from your game. Yeah. So would it or anybody else for that matter? It, what, would, it, what would sway you more then? 
two two DMs you equally trust running the game at the same time. This is just I'm getting a sidetracked, but that's interesting. Sure, sure, sure. Because I mean, I, I think I'd prefer session zero, but only barely, because I'm not too far from you. As far as if I was going to be a player, I would probably lean toward the session zero guy. But uh, two DMs and they're pitching their campaign. What's gonna, you know, say you like the five players, you like the DM equally well enough, at least everything's you know close enough. What about their campaign pitch gets you to their table versus someone else? Uh, am I going to be able to use a character I already have oh, that might? Okay. Uh, especially a character that it's a long-running ca- character that I haven't been able to play in a while. They're like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run a, a Pathfinder, a high-level Pathfinder, and you can bring Butch. I would Ooh. be in, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, right. Or, or um, some version of uh, Volsivar. That would be great. Uh, cool. Uh, so, something like that. Also, if if we're saying the DM, my esteem of the DM and the players is equal. Right. Those aren't considerations. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, not campaign or setting. Setting. Not, uh, not, not system or setting, I mean. System or setting. That's variable. Right. Because that's more a function of, for me, um, the DM and, and players. Uh, I can step into just about any setting as a player or 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 system that I know. Those are aren't. I I don't know if I have a favorite uh, system at the moment because uh, with all of the uh, shenanigans that Watsi and Paizo are doing, and I makes me uninterested to play those games. Uh, 13th Age and Savage Worlds are more attractive to me than those those two game companies' games. So if, I, I some, think, if, if, this, if, if this game was uh, Paizo, especially with second edition, which I don't, I don't play yet, or right. probably never, right. uh, or 5th edition or 13th Age, I would go with the 13th Age most likely. Yeah. Depending on other factors. So if we're saying um, the steam of DM and players are the same, then right. um, setting would probably, I mean, uh, a combination of setting and system would probably be the deciding other factor. If, um, But if you could play one of your old characters, that would definitely pull you in. That would pull me in. Understood. Um, I like playing old characters that I'm familiar with. It's easier to get into yeah. the character and to get the character into the setting, even yeah. if somehow he's been transported there against his will or whatever. Sure. You know, emerges out of a emerges out of a vat or something. Who knows? <laughs> like that boy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> cool. Oh, anything else you want to say about campaigns and starting them? No, I don't think so. I like campaigns. I'll say. Yeah. That. That's true. Me too. I, I definitely prefer a good campaign. Uh, we could talk. We've talked about length at times. Another right. one. Some. I didn't even think about that. I guess I like the longer campaigns that are really rich. But um, maybe that's another. I think we talked about that before, didn't we? Have a. We have we a. We had a one shot versus campaigns. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That wasn't one that bit it. Was it? Might have been. Sure. I mean, we what did the we did the episode. 
Right. Two of them got, two of them bit the dust and we resurrected one of them. Hey, if anybody out there knows, let us know. Shoot us an email. <laughs> I should look at our list of episodes. That'll tell us. Oh, don't go that route. That's too easy. <laughs> let's let our, let's let our listeners help us out. Cause you know, they're going to have to anyway, eventually be the helpers. Well, speaking right. about uh, of easy, mm-hmm. let's talk about cabin con for a moment. Dude, yeah, a little cabin con moment. And that's true. That's a good set. That's a pretty good segue because cabin con is like an old glove. It's like a favorite jacket, man. Yeah. Good times. Can't wait to wear it every year. So except, uh, except last cabin con we burned the jacket. We did. Kind of. Kind of. Oh, we did. Did some, did some alterations. We sure did. Because um, our campaign, at least in campaign world, has at the very least morphed. I think it's, I think I can say it's ended. Ended. I think it's over. We have, uh, we have characters that have survived it uh, from both the 13th age side and the Pathfinder side, but the campaign as it's known ended. We talked about that. I, I had a different idea though. So I was talking about campaign, how we built uh, Elysium. Um, we talked about uh, our buddy Philip said, all we have to do is offer it up and they'll play. And it did draw the folks in. But I want to talk just a little bit about the issues that we had, minus the destruction of the campaign, which is not an issue. It was it was by design. Right. It went, it went sour after a few years, and um, I asked the question, of course, is why did it go sour? And our buddy Patrick had coined the phrase "too many cooks in the kitchens," in the kitchen, uh, too many storylines. I added things. I thought there were hurt feelings and monkey wrenches thrown in the campaign on purpose. Uh, some folks are going to remain nameless. Um, why do you think it went uh, pear-shaped? Well, that sounds about right. Um, when So when Elysium first, well, Elysium was born out of our, it was just called Arena. So we just did arena battles where it was an idea of a cabin con attendee to have us all play together. And right. the way he did it was in an arena. It started out just a big arena. And then soon, maybe the second time he did it was different form, uh, different form factors. One time we were in a boat uh, and just different things. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we kind of parted ways, but we carried on that arena. And then, and then I kind of wanted to put a little story behind it yep. to give it a little juice. And then that summer, it just, everybody wanted to be a DM or just throw in a storyline or some kind of character thing. And it, and um, it was getting played at the um, game, store. game store all the time. All these things were happening. People were posting these stories and uh, it was, we did the, gain Lewis from it. We did. We gained some people out of it and yeah, they're good people. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, but there were too many storylines. Um, it had a PVP feel to it. And it, it was always like that. Yes. 
but um, the PVP feeling was initially okay, but then some just some people just didn't like it very much after a while. Uh, and probably, I think they soured on it because yeah. of the rules. I mean, that there was ways to win in the arena that required you to you had to spend some time on your character. Right. And you had to really study up on how to do this. And even then the arena could not be your character's thing because arenas right. were different. I mean, there were very, some very good arenas designed by different DMS, uh, including Greg T who started the whole thing. And, uh, I tell you what, uh, we had some pretty cool competitions and I, I never won one. No, no. I did. No, that's not true. No, I did win one. Win one. With he wasn't even a PC class. No, it was a commoner, baby. He was a cheater. Nodwick, I was one level higher than you because I sucked beyond, it didn't matter. My best feat was throw anything in 3.x, and I won by turning invisible and hiding the whole. I got the little widget. And you made and it to the end. Until the end. I yeah. did. It was beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, too many monkey, uh, too many kitchens too many cooks in the kitchen yep um the storylines like patrick we were we were all talking about that i think he and i and um jeff we were all kind of on that same ticket real soon after cabin caucus it was like all this stuff constantly on on facebook uh so yeah i think our it was funny because our best year was the year philip brought those uh um chips poker chips and you got to pull prizes for your character now i don't think you got anything very good even though you won a lot and but even so that was that brought excitement to the game and then the next year it seemed to i think because of it being played all over the place people were getting the bad taste in their mouth and that's kind of right after that great year we had i think it started running downhill and I'm glad we at least got a chance to kind of wrap things up a little bit, you know, and kind of end the game. And you got to save your favorite character if you wanted to. And they're right. out in Sigil or they're in the Dragon Empire, well, you know, for 13th Age. So in the end, it was definitely a good ex- I'm glad we did it. I'm really glad we did it. Right. I think, to be fair, one of the things that kind of poked a hole in it was the uh, very unwieldy uh character build game of pathfinder uh first edition yeah. Uh, yeah. and if you weren't real savvy and didn't plumb the depths of it and explored the uh the builds online and and all of that put hours you can you'd have to you do you would have to put hours of um study time study time in yeah but if you were willing to do that or had time to do that, um, you could easily dominate. Well, you and, know, and I, if you were okay with having kind of gonzo wonky characters. Oh yeah, dude, Lewis. I just, he I had just, some great ones, man. One level I, of alchemist, and yeah. Yeah, I just I'm like I don't like that build just because it sounds wonky. I tried one and didn't do a good job with it. And just never played him. The um, su- uh, shift the summoner. Yeah. The one, oh, the, I can't remember the. Uh, they had the synth, the synth summoner that had the skin. Yeah, yeah. 
So he's, his summoned creature appeared around him. Yes. And uh, he was pretty, uh, pretty cool while that was still alive. But once it got lost all its hit points and got sent back to Never Never Land, uh, he was pretty worthless. Well, <laughs> I think I killed you dead dead in that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the thing was, um, I think once we started doing more storylines and less PvP, I think the the build game was even more of a problem in yeah. my mind because of the DM. You didn't know, you know, you bring five characters, you might get four that are pimped out beyond belief and someone else like you is trying an idea and you're not quite the high enough level. And you're not sure you don't build it quite perfectly. And next thing you know, you're like, dude, I can't hang with these guys. Right. The, um, I think the problem with the build game, especially when directed as a PVP thing is the character. Well, I guess maybe it is, but to, in my conception of, way it should be is the PC's abilities are not meant to be directed at other PCs. They're meant to be directed at the monsters. Yes. So uh, I know monsters in Pathfinder are built in a similar fashion, but not precisely the same, but they're supposed to be directed at the monsters. Yeah. Kind of to have a PVP situation in a Pathfinder game. Yeah. I mean, you can, but I think it just, I think it just sucks the fun out of things. Um, right. I think I think the arena was fine, but trying to marry that to a real setting became problematic, and a lot of other things that we mentioned. Now right. we are going to attempt a new shared world, at least one. We got two shared worlds. We're going to do the Dragon Empire, which is a um, you know the standard 13th age game, so everybody can have you know bring a sixth level, and that's what's great about 13th age. If you say bring a sixth level character, they pretty much know what you bring into the table. Right. Um, and then me and Pat are going to try the West Marches style Savage Worlds Fantasy, which is also that new Valasia game. I'm going to start with you guys. I hope next. Actually, I hope this next month. I'm actually hoping to start in a few weeks. So, right. But uh, we'll see how that goes. It's it's a new approach, less cooks in the kitchen, and more team effort stories. Go complete a mission, come back home to a base, right. call it good. Yeah. Yeah. That all sounds good. So, um, because we are talking about campaigns and your new West Marches um, uh, game coming up, uh, our next segment is about building a better gaming world and uh, how much of the uh, setting that or the game that you're going to be playing is going to be new. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, you know, this in this thing, we're talking about balance, though. So yeah, to balance or not to balance a PC's story. Yeah. How important is balance between PCs? Hmm. Um, I think it's very important. It, Just it because be. I've DM'd, I've DM'd, gosh, well over 100 players in my lifetime, probably more than that, probably 200 uh, different players. And it always seems that if a player's character isn't balanced. Now, I don't necessarily mean always in combat. If they don't feel like they contribute as much as the other guys, there becomes a little bit of hurt feelings or, man, my guy sucks. I don't want to play this dude. Right. So that part of balance, I think, is important. And um, there's always an annoy annoyance factor if one player gets all the good magic items or somehow yes. is head and shoulders above everybody else. And you're all supposed to be the same level. 
Yeah. Uh, it can be a little annoying. Yep. But uh, if it's built into the system, it's one thing if it's a system issue. Mm-hmm. If the system uh, accidentally or on purpose favors a different, a particular kind of character. Um, right. So you can, there's some obvious examples, casters. Yep. And D and mean, the casters have now you could, now I would say in early D and D editions through second edition, the casters had, uh, they had to pay their dues early on, yeah, early on. They Later were the suck for five until fireball came online. Sure. And even after they had fireball, they still oh. kind of walk in a tight rope until teleport or level. I yeah, think. because yeah, because you know, until you could escape the grasp of a warrior, you might be casting fireballs, but if he gets on you, you're not casting anything. And he's right, gonna cut right. you down. Yeah, and uh so in Pathfinder, the same thing, casters were pretty pretty boss. Um but um in their own way, the two uh two handed sword or two two handed weapon wielder was vastly superior to the other types of um, fighters, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. They had a wonky build that somehow made the two-weapon wielder better. You could do it, but it, it just seemed like the the um, this, uh, with later in the game, they had a whole archetype designed just for two weapons, or two-handed oh, yeah. weapons, and they were just... It was... Lots it was the of boss. It. it was the boss. And now that wasn't true in like second and first edition. A two weapon fighter, if you can get through the early levels, you would be you get haste on you, whoo, you'd be crazy right. at seventh or eighth level. Right, because they didn't have the same kind of they had some specific rules that made the, the two handed weapons that make in Pathfinder and in third edition a superior choice. You know, right. strength and a half other things that had better damage base damage too so you know um as a player can, can you be happy not being as good in combat because combat's a big part of our games it just is we're not, i'm not going to pretend like we're some great deep you know philosophical role players that solve you know societal issues and delve into deep psychological problems uh we do like to fight in our games we like combat it's it's, a, it's not a good game if there's not some fun fighting right um, can you be happy not being good in, as good in combat as another player through no fault of your own in character building? I mean, as oh, a game, sure. I mean, just because uh, um, another character is a little better, that's no big deal. But um, the, it would be the way it would be imbalanced, I think, is if it was a head and shoulders above a like difference. I do five uh, damage and you do 35. It's it's hard to describe because different game systems, it would be different. Um, it would be a different uh, thing to talk about, but uh, it's hard to put it in general. But if your character is a fighter, you know, the class is you're supposed to be face to face with the monsters and you're always um, getting dropped. You're never you've never you're never killing anything. Or right, even your- much damage. You're doing something wrong, or whatever. That, and then you have somebody else in the party who they wait in the combat and they're taking dudes out left and right, and uh, whether or not they're getting a lot of damage, right. that's the problem. But if if you are ineffective or 
slightly effective compared to somebody else's vastly superior, that's an imbalanced problem. Don't know if it's a system, can't be a system. Uh, it's, it'd be hard to pin down if it's a, if you're using the, you're both the same class, right? How that person is vastly superior or, or capable of taking out the opponents than you. It would have depend met, on. Have you met any players? This is a different question, or even yourself. Could you, because I can be, I would know. Are you okay in a game if you're kind of suck at combat, but you're the king at social situations? Can you be happy? being good in a different area altogether and would you feel quote-unquote balanced to your fellow pcs if you truly have a different area where you shine where in combat you're like okay but you're not really that good sure sure okay yeah i've played many bards that are like that very thing um decent at fighting but not the best but outside of combat has all kinds of options that's a fine character to play I agree. That's not a problem at all. Um, and this other question I had too with balance, I remember this happening in, especially in mid to late second edition, they would create these with all the splat books, the um, complete fighter, complete elf, complete assassin, druid, ranger, um, monk, oh, sorry, monk, assassin, druid. Um, that wasn't really a book, but we used to always joke about that. What do you huh? think about, <laughs> you don't remember that? Druid. Say that again. Druid monk assassin. Remember oh, that? <laughs> I used to, I used to always say that druid monk yeah. assassin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's three of the most nonsensical I could put together. But anyway, uh, those books were notorious in my mind for giving role playing limitations and equating them to combat benefits. I don't know now. I used to really hate that. Like there used to be a power. Like an an Azamar paladin in second edition was first level the man. If you played an Azamar Paladin Planescape, you were better than a human paladin. Oh, yeah. And your limitations were, well, you have to be good. And I'm like, you have to be moral, you know, morally upstanding. Uh, I'm a paladin. Okay. I'll be morally upstanding. That'll be easy to role play. And then I get all this sweet stuff. Or you'd be like um, the Blade Singer. I cannot even remember what drawbacks they had, but the yeah, Elven Blade Singer was stupid beyond imagining. And they had some, well, they're very haughty and they, they won't just adventure with just anybody. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> what is that? Is, now what does that even mean? I mean, come on. Having a beha- a code, mm-hmm. especially a, what would be, what could be for a paladin, uh, um, a very strict code of behavior mm-hmm. is only good. If you have social situations, Mm-hmm. And have a DM that pushes some. I'm not right. saying one that always puts you in a situation where you have to compromise your your paladinhood. Right. You do need to get pushed so that. Um, and if you're and if the DM isn't maybe pushing it, you as a player should. Well, and you definitely shouldn't let the players be like, "Well, we're going to interrogate this prisoner. Why don't you go take a walk and get us some apples?" And you do right. that every single time and your intelligence is 13. It's like, right. dude, you'd be like, no, I'll interrogate him and we're not hurting him. And I don't want to hear about it. Now shut up. Right. I mean, that's, that's what, how you have to roll, you know? Right. And mm-hmm. uh, that's another thing that we can call back our session zero. <laughs> yep. Or just so that everybody's on the same page. 
So if I was to play a paladin um, in a in a in a game, I would let make it be known and not not be a dick about it, but right. just make it known my character is lawful good and I intend to play it lawful good. Uh, I've got a high wisdom, so uh, it's not like you guys are going to be able to talk, convince me to go take that walk to buy apples. Yeah, it's not happening. Just heads up. And- and Lawful also true. Good. He and, he doesn't. And you don't have to be a dick. No. Awful good. In fact, if you're really lawful good, paladin, with the the type of background that a paladin is supposed to have, Uh-oh. you're really with a high charisma. You're not going to be a dick. No. It's just no, you play it that way somehow. It's yeah. Stupid. And there's always the lawful lawful stupid paladin, that's the one we talked about. Or there's the lawful dick paladin. Like people forget paladins are good. Now we're getting off topic here because that's that 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 might be a whole discussion for a for a um, podcast because uh, the lawful good, lawful stupid, lawful. Well, especially dick for the high charisma requirement of yeah. Traditional paladin was what seventeen or sixteen or fifteen something. Yeah. And a high charisma person is not going to be that way. They're totally likable. People would love them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as a DM, though, now it's interesting we talk about play. I, the reason I think, and I wrote this, that balance is a PC story. Because as a GM, yes. I mostly yeah. don't care. Right. I mean, I, I guess there will be a point, like, back again, we'll pick on our fav- one of our favorite games, 3.x Pathfinder. Now, if I have p- players of different skill level and building characters, that can be a problem. Sure. Because if three guys are maxed out, you know, power gamed. I mean, they're good. There's nothing wrong with power max in your character. I have no issue with that. And then two other guys like, Hey, I just show up and play a pre-gen, you know, I'm cool. I'll play the pre-gen. I mean, dude, you're going to suck. And I'm not sure how, and, and if I build encounters to challenge those three total BA characters, there's two other characters that are going to get wiped off the map quick. Yeah. It's yeah. And so that's another uh, reason. Right, kind of, yeah. Um, we know people that'll just play pre-gens without a problem. Yeah. They'll try to, one of them will try to squeeze every little bit of juice out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or and imagine some that's not there. Um, but Mark uh, Anthony. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Mark. But he he's still he's good for if you need someone to play, he'll play. Oh, he's down and he'll mm-hmm. and he won't cry about it. If his character nope. sucks, nope. he sucks. It's all right. He don't yeah. care. So good so, natured, but the problem from a GM standpoint is trying to prepare for that. Yeah, if you have a guy different. who can't do anything, you know, can't really, you know, add to the group. I mean, you could even make the argument: why would the group have them? Dude, right. You can't. You can't hang with us. We're always saving your butt. We can't afford that. We're trying to save the kingdom. We're gonna have to let you go and get a cleric that can hold his own. The only way you can handle that, um, if you if you feel up to that would be to pull your punches on the less uh on the lesser characters and yeah, that's one way to really describe them you got characters that are maxed out and you got characters that are not so yep. um, in order the only way you can have a, a, a an encounter that challenges the tough guys while not completely squishing the little guys is when you come on come up to the little guys you pull your punch right that's it yeah, that's really pretty much it. I agree. Or and the way you can pull your punches without really pulling your punches would be to perhaps have um, that really tough monster to have some sort of minions or whatever go after the the, the small fry. 
you know, and the tough guy goes after the tough guy. I, that would get old, probably. Probably. I, I think my thought on balance and here in the end, if I summarized it, is I think you got to have a little uh, niche protection. I think in, if you're building a game, a gaming world, I think characters need to be good at certain things. I think probably in most campaign settings that I would want to run, everybody needs to be able to do a little in combat. But you can have a combat beast. You can have a social beast. You can have a guy who is supremely knowledgeable about things that are arcane or esoteric. You can have an investigator guy who can find things out and knows people and knows how to, you know, uh, you know, what's the word? Grease the palms, as it were. Um, people have to have some niches where they get to shine. But I think in, uh, I think for balance, that's really all that you really need. Now, if everybody feels like they have to fight well, then that's a different story. Maybe you do have to have combat balance. Right, right. Yeah, it's kind of an issue with a game like Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. and 3x yep D, D probably build game is probably too big it has too much of an impact any game with a build game with a with a heavy build game with a heavy build game is going to have some kind of impact but i think it's too much with those games i don't know about second edition pathfinder but i doubt it's going to be much different yeah when not I played, so some I can't of the early rules it was pretty much just it's no less complicated. They just switched around where the complications are at. Um, who knows? I don't know about the. I have not played it, so that yeah. might be an uh, inaccurate um, uh, representation. But uh, um, yeah. first edition, the build game was out of hand. Yes, it was. No doubt. Yeah, you just couldn't. I mean, you couldn't play the game. I mean, we have four or five players, and through no, it's not in a fault of theirs, but if three or four of them are at the table, you can't come and just bring some slob you just threw together five minutes before. No. Because you will look like an idiot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I, I think it is the GM's responsibility that if if players are comfortable, you know, in their niches, you have to throw them a bone and have scenarios where their where their niches get to be you know, exploited and they get to look cool. It can't be sure. fight, 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 you know, all the time. Right. I yeah. agree. Yeah. If I have a, if I bring a, a bard to the table, I expect to be able to do bard things. Yeah. Yeah. You get to, uh, uh, woo the maidens, uh, talk your way past the guards, impress the King with a song, all that stuff. Be nice. If there was a tavern to sing in once or, do whatever. Make a little coin on the side. Yeah. Sure. All that good stuff. Okay. That's pretty good. I think we've so, I think we've used balance. We've used yes. balance in our discussion. We have now. used balance. <laughs> balance is uh, done and over with. Yes. Moving on to the end of show here. Um, it's time to shamelessly plug our show. Yes, no uh, please share, like, review the podcast on Anchor, Breaker. Honestly, don't know how many people listen on Breaker. Uh, that was one of our first podcast apps that it got released on. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all those things. All the things that make it show up or um, uh, get it in front of the eyes and then into the ears of other folks. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to support 
our show, then please check out our website at biggestgeekestpodcast.com. Check on the and click on the uh, support page. And in that support page, there will be a donate link. Also, uh, any contribution you can make is great. If Even if you're just sharing it with your buddies and <clears throat> even if you can't uh, support us financially, which we would like you to do, it's okay. If you have any questions for us, you can email us at questions at biggestgeekestpodcast.com. Hey, did we have any yet? Have you checked those out? Um, let's see. I didn't check right before, but we do oh. not have any supporters yet, apparently. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. We At support least ourselves. If you guys I support you, Joe. Spread the word. Spread yes. the biggest, geekest word. Yes. It's called Awesome Podcastery. I think so. Yes. I enjoy it terribly. Good time tonight, man. Good yeah. Discussion. Yeah. Well, if that's all we have, yep. then this is Joe. And I'm Randy. And remember, if you can't be big like us, be geeks like us.